0: Greetings, sports fans, Catholic Radio listeners, Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and you're listening to two guys in a conversation on 88.1 Catholic Radio. Brad, good to see you, and uh, it seems like there's a ton always to talk about on our show, and I had one of our 10 listeners say, I think you guys need more time, and that's like, yeah, it goes by pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, half hour goes by quick. I don't know if we have enough for an hour, but
1: well, tonight, I knew you were running out of uh, clinic, and... You were going to be a little late, so I got uh, Dr. Ferguson a uh, bag of candy and water, and we're set. So yeah. if we're going to go an hour, we need
0: more food. I might be, I might be talking with my mouthful. Cherry sours are my favorite. So, hey, let's start off our show tonight, Brad, and we've got to talk a little bit about Morningside football. I mean, what a run they're on. We've been tracking them all season. At the very beginning show, I asked you the question, do you think Morningside could win with defense? And they had a smash mouth, tough game against Grandview Saturday, and it was really the defensive pull through.
1: Yeah, you called it. You called it. You yeah. said it was going to be close defensively, smash mouth. I thought, uh, I really thought Morningside would score a few more
0: points, but uh, you were spot on with that one. Morningside probably, arguably, has got to have the best coaching staff in NAI. Their offensive coordinator makes adjustments, and the two games that were tough. Northwestern and with Grandview came out in the third quarter. They made some different plays, saw some opportunities, took advantage, got two big scores in both those games that really kind of let them uh, you know, g- get them in front and they held on to win both those games.
1: Well, the American uh, Football Coaches Association would agree with you. Uh, Steve Ryan, he is the uh, what is it? The Division Region Four uh, Coach of the Year. One more time, Don't
0: they just pencil that in every year. Yeah, yeah mean, sure. the guy amazing. What a, what a machine he's got going over there. What a fun game to watch, though, so, and uh, what an exciting game for the home crowd there, to to play a, a meaningful game at home, and uh, and to qualify for the second second national championship game that's going to be held in uh, Ruston, Louisiana, or where Grambling's at, out in yeah. the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I had to look that up. I think it's uh, east of Shreveport, somewhere down there. Yeah,
0: I'm not a, I'm just, I, you know, I, I don't understand all the NAI stuff and all that, but man, Daytona Beach was pretty fun last year to go to. And uh, I am have a feeling that there's not going to be as much to do at at Grambling, Louisiana. I'm I'm sure Morningside fans will find something to do down there. (laughs) Well, they always do, and I know what that's going to be. But anyway, talk a little bit about uh, the game. Uh, The thing that I'm still incredibly impressed with is the fact that Morningside's diverse. Grandview shut them down, held uh, AP Ponder to uh, 75 yards. Tough runs, NFL-type runs. Brad was three yards. He had to get a first down and a two-yard run, and he would do it. So he was he was very much like an NFL back for no big plays. But Dolancheck, and and Reed uh, Jurgensmeyer, Jer- I mean, and and this Austin Johnson. You know, Colin uh, Connor Niles is helping with the receivers over there. Yeah, it shows. It shows, and this Johnson kid uh, has really emerged as a big play guy this year. But uh, their receiving core, and with Don Dylan just puts the ball in the money. Yeah, and had some big plays again.
1: Well, that's Trent Salzma throw a catchable ball. Yeah, and you make your receivers look good. But so, it's
0: very, hey, very interesting, Brad. You've been a quarterback. You know the difference between not,
1: the, not a good one. Well, you know I've the difference
0: one. between the receiver that goes out like a like a sixth grade lunch, and w- if it hits him right in the chest, he might catch it. Versus a receiver that makes the play in the ball. Yeah. you might throw the ball to an area. And the receiver makes the play rather rather than going putting their hands up like hey you didn't throw it to me yeah and that's what morningside receivers do they it's amazing how they'll make plays on the ball so impressive, and then they have what they call a big
1: radius yeah you know they can go out and they make make catches you get it in the area they catch it away from
0: their body yeah um you sound like an nfl gm well that's an nfl talk yeah i must have read
1: that somewhere this morning
0: so uh, along the lines of that, that uh, successful season comes the fruits of, of the awards. Of the, of the and Geis Morningside, sixth straight year now, they've had a first-team All-American. Joel Kotzer, the three-time all Pack linebacker, uh, was a Campbell semifinalist this year, uh, was named first-team. And then Garrett Temme, a three-year starter at left tackle, a critical piece of the offensive line. Um, a great kid, by the way. Uh, Was second team, along with Clayton Ordine, which, you know, they I think in NAI they look at they couldn't give too many people first team. Clayton Ordine is a first-team All-American strong safety. If you haven't seen him play, man, he brings it. Um, honorable mention, AP Ponder, which is, again, he should have been on an All-American team as a running back. Bo Els, yeah. the receiver, and Alex Paulson. So they got a little bit of uh, hardware in the All-American team. Yeah,
1: congratulations, those guys. And a little bit interesting that the Defensive Player of the Year uh, from Northwestern, the linebacker, uh, not first-team All-American, yeah. but Joel was.
0: Well, you know, that's how those things, things work. We all know that. They have to kind of share it up a little bit. Yeah,
1: maybe a quick uh, shout-out to uh, Robert Robinson, oh, uh, yes. Briarcliff. Oh, yeah. yeah, Huge all, year. Also All-American. We mentioned him early and often, so uh, big year for him, too. And then uh, Corey Woodruff, um, offensive lineman, just a sophomore
0: at Cliff uh also honorable mention good for those two Robert robinson had 20 tackles for losses this year which is an incredible and you know what i think he punted at times this year uh very super uh, super talent his coach had really great things to say about him in the in the article glad for glad for you bringing that up hey uh let's let's talk, shout out a little bit on the volleyball side of things morningside ended their season at the national tournament brad got beat in pool play they had to play one of these weird deals where they the three teams were tied at one and two in the pool, and then they draw and they have to play at a one-set match. Morningside played at twelve thirty in the morning against Oklahoma City, got beat, end of their season. However, Emma Gerber, uh, person that we've talked about all year, mm-hmm. four-year starter, has set the modern kill record for Morningside. It was named first team All-American, yeah, first ever yep, for Morningside.
1: Yep, impressive, eleven hundred and sixty career kills, which yeah. which very strong. So they took uh, that you know that last game. Five sets, lost 16 to 14 in the fifth,
0: Mm -hmm. so very good. They had a good run at the end, and going to have to replace a lot of great players uh, going into next season. Morningside basketball, uh, men's continue to be ranked number two in the country. They have a big win over Briarcliff this past weekend, and the women's team did as well. And uh, they're looking pretty tough in the g Pack right now, Brian.
1: Yeah, 10-0, and 5-0 in the G-PAC, 81-72 over Briarcliff, uh, even though Jackson Lamb had 38 points. Uh, Morningside Trey Brown, 26. So it was competitive. It was a competitive, good game. Um,
0: how do you like that when your, t- your All-American Borchers was hurt? Yeah. You bring your your backup second post in, and that's Trey Brown.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great game for them. Both. So next, uh, they're at home December 11th, Concordia. Um you know, Morningside shooting the difference in the Briarcliff game, they continue to shoot uh, pretty well from behind the arch, yeah. uh, 47% in that game. So Briarcliff uh, men's basketball, not so good uh, here recently. They did finally snap uh, their losing streak, but, but they're 8-5, and 1-5 and five in the G Uh They had a five-game losing streak. Streak. They won 86-71 over Grandview. Um, but they're good in – Good balance scoring. Of course, Jackson Lamb scoring a bunch. But, uh, you know, here we mentioned him again, Connor Groh, Siouxland area athlete, 24 against uh,
0: Grandview. That's impressive for a freshman. Holy Mm -hmm. smokes. Um, Briarcliff's always going to be dangerous. I think Fridell might be out, one of their other key cogs right now with a little bit of an injury. But, uh, you know, one thing I want to shout out to to Ben Hoskins, a Morningside player, he's a senior, and transferred in from Wayne State. He's shooting 54% behind the arc right now which is in the top five in the country kids just these people just get better and better at shooting threes but what a weapon to bring off the bench and along with potabomb these guys are bringing scoring uh and that's what makes morningside so tough
1: yeah that's instant offense what did we say last uh the last win morningside there was like 50 bench points or something yeah you mentioned fifty points and that don't
0: win over don't well listen uh That was pretty good little uh, uh, information here on on Siouxland College Sports as far as Morningside, Briarcliff, and uh, we'll talk a little uh, Big Ten sports, basketball, maybe a little football here in our next section of Two Guys in Conversation, and we look forward to everybody uh, listening to us after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore. Once again, I'd like to thank Brad and his uh, crew out here at the Sterling Computer Campus in North Sioux City. Uh, they set up a really nice little area for us to uh, to uh, do our show, and we we certainly appreciate you, Brad, and and the effort your team makes and the flexibility shown so that we can pull this thing off every week. Um, it's a lot of fun, and uh, uh, I hope that. Uh, uh, our listeners uh, understand that it. Uh, it takes a little bit for people besides Brad and I to pull it off. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, big 10 football. We talk about uh, this every, every, uh, section of uh, our second part of our show, Brad and Steve's room of knowledge. And, uh, we had a big game this this weekend, Wisconsin jumps out 14, zero in Ohio state. That was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Y- y- normally I would root for Wisconsin and root for the underdog. Um, but I really want to see Ohio State win it all. So I was, yeah, at, in the end, uh, I was really, really rooting for Ohio State. But... You, had,
0: you had mentioned that a couple of shows back, and I, and I can't argue with that. I just thought it was a really interesting to watch it. And then I think that this, the cream just rose. I mean, Ohio State is so good.
1: So many weapons. And
0: what do you think about the top four Heisman candidates, two of them from Ohio State? Yeah. Chase Young and, and Fields. Yeah. And, and probably, you
1: know, could have the running back up there too. He's that good. And he, he, yeah, he could be
0: there. For sure. And the quarterback that's probably going to win it should have been at Nebraska, but if they would have offered him.
1: Nebraska had two chances. They had him out of high school. Uh, of course, he, his dad and uncle, I think, both played at Nebraska. Oh. He's a big Nebraska fan. Uh, we missed on him out of high school. And then as a grad transfer, uh, Frost already had a commitment. To Martinez, and so he passed on him again.
0: You know, I think, but I think it was before Frost that there was the option. I want to say that he was thinking about going, or maybe when he was coming out, Riley didn't even offer.
1: Him. Yeah, yeah, we we missed him several times, but. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, I weapons. don't know.
1: He he may not Burroughs may not have had the the type of success in Nebraska that yeah. he's had at LSU. He's yeah. got a lot of weapons down you know, there. No, he's
0: got a lot of weapons. Man, is he his and he's taken advantage. It's been been a crazy year for him, but he's probably the odds on favorite to win it. I don't see yeah. how he's because he set a, a couple of records, I think, in the SEC.
1: Yeah, you know, quarterbacks a lot like a three point shooter. Is it if you have the weapons out there and you get into a rhythm oh, and you sure. get some confidence. Uh, you, you got great upside this guy's got great upside and yeah. he's he, you know he's taken advantage of you know some of the best receivers in the country great line yeah. a defense that gets him the ball back so you know good for him
0: well I think we're going to be it's going to be fun to watch Ohio State make that run. I don't see how anybody beats them with their defense being so good and of course with fields and uh it'll it'll be uh it'll be cool to watch them and we'll have a little bit more on a on our next shows, will be a little pregame on all the bulls and that kind of thing. What about Iowa State matching up with Notre Dame, though?
1: I like it. Um,
0: Iowa, Iowa State, both have great bowl games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other one that I like that's
1: a great matchup, how about Michigan-Alabama? Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. There was a
0: little bit of talk that Iowa might get that citrus, and, of course, you're kind of going, hmm, that'd be fun to play Alabama. And then you go, hmm, maybe it wouldn't be maybe fun Maybe not, play. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll go play USC. I think we might have a shot.
1: Yeah, so if I had – you know, if I had the ability to get this done, I would go watch Iowa in the Holiday Bowl on yeah. the 27th, fly across country to Orlando to watch Iowa State, Notre Dame.
0: Well, the the idea was to package Iowa with the Citrus and Iowa State, because I think the the game that Iowa State's playing is in the same locale. Yeah. I mean, the same community or whatever. And, and they were thinking of an all Iowa. You roster. would have had 80,000 people down there. So it would have been crazy. Hey, Big Ten basketball. Um, I think in the men's side of things, it's going to be way different than what people thought. The preseason was pretty much the talk was Maryland, um, uh, Ohio State, um, and uh, maybe maybe Indiana a little bit. Purdue was kind of you know down there. Purdue's knocked off some teams. Purdue looks tough. Um, uh, Penn State had a big win um, just last night. Yeah, um, over Maryland. Um, it, it, Iowa beat. Texas Tech, who just knocked off Louis, Louis, uh, Louisville.
1: Yeah, so Iowa seven and
0: three really has three good losses. I'm telling you, I like watching Iowa, Brad. I have been kind of a naysayer a little bit, like you know they give up 85, they score, you know, they're playing different. They play tougher. They're playing better defense, and I think a lot of it has to do with Connor McCaffrey on the floor. That guy's a competitor.
1: He is a competitor. I I've told you the story I coached about against him when he was in the seventh grade and uh, over one controversial play, he comes to me and gets in my face as a coach on the sideline, and his well, dad's yeah. on the other side yeah. watching. I thought, all right, he's competitive.
0: That's the trickle-down effect from the mm-hmm. old man there. And We've seen that many times. That's cool. But, no, I really think he brings something. And uh, then the point guard out of New York, uh, Toussaint, off the bench, he's a tough, tough kid that grew up in the asphalt. Yeah, It's helped him a lot. And, uh, and you just talked about something. I want to touch on one thing i'm glad you mentioned about three pointers and three-point shooters joe wieskamp is kind of the guy that iowa has to have going but he needs to have that uh point guard and be set up a little bit he's not a tremendous off the ball guy but he's in rhythm now and he he had 23 against minnesota the other night look good he's more aggressive He's going to go now.
1: So, uh, you know, I lived a few doors down from uh, Dr. Ferguson. And from the time that our kids were little, I would hear the bounce, 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 and the the shot off the rim of uh, Tanner Ferguson in the driveway. (laughs) So uh, Steve knows a little bit about developing three-point shooters. And you're absolutely right. That's a great point that, you know, if you're going to be an outstanding three-point shooter, there's not a lot of people that get that off the dribble all the time. So you've got to have teammates that can feed you in rhythm, keep you in a rhythm, and uh, draw defenses, kick it out. So it, it it requires great passers. Yeah, and having
0: an inside post really helps. So you can go you can go inside out with uh,
1: Brandon Kugel, one of the best ever.
0: Uh, by the way, Garza was named National Player of the Week, Brad from Iowa, at 44 up at Michigan, and and is averaging a double double for Iowa. So we're talking a lot of Hawks hoops, but I'm I'm kind of optimistic. I think the question is going to be Jason Bohannon. He's going to play against Iowa State, and I think he shuts it down. He's not yeah. healthy. He's not himself. He's he coming off hip surgery. Then does he redshirt? Then you he can would redshirt be eligible to Yeah, I, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't do it, and I think he should. Um, yeah. You know, just, just because uh, it'll be If he's
1: commercial. not 100%, might yeah.
0: as well. Tell me, you know, we talked about the Huskers, and we we're like, okay, I think they're going to get better and better as the season goes on.
1: So Saturday, uh, my wife and I are shopping, and I I – wasn't at the game. I wasn't listening to the game, and I walked by a TV. And I think at that time it was forty to seven, or or some crazy, big thirty plus point lead by Creighton. But I, w- I was reading a little bit about coaches' comments and some of the writing after the game is um, Nebraska came back and and won the second half. They moved the kid from uh, Slovenia, six uh, eight guard who or six eight lefty. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's forty five percent. Career three-point shooter. So they brought him in and moved him to the five, and they played five out. And when they made that move, they started to score, got up and down the court better. They were able to drive and kick Mm -hmm. and uh, get to the rim. So some of those sports writers are saying that they think that Coach Hoiberg just might have figured something out during the second half of that game.
0: If there's a coach that's going to, he will. Because I guarantee you they're going to be – you will not want to play them in the second half of the Big Ten season because he'll just figure out ways to win. Yeah. He always has.
1: Yeah. Okay, so basketball team's losing. Uh, football team stayed home from uh, the bowl, so i, I got to give two plugs to Nebraska, probably three. Nebraska Wrestling's number two. Oh, yes. uh, they finished number – they won a 32-team uh, wrestling tournament out in Las Vegas. Women's basketball, 8-1, and one, doing real well. And then the Nebraska volleyball team uh, – Wins two and they're back in the final four. They, they're going to have to get over uh, Unbelievable. Uh, Wisconsin, but they are 27-4 and four and moving through the NCAA tournament so like exciting. I thought they would.
0: Hey, our two name teams. Uh, we had Knuckles, and she's been doing great. I saw a little bit of her plan.
1: Yeah, she's a great freshman. And
0: uh, we had Preston Mulligan, right?
1: Preston Mulligan. What if
0: they got married? Knuckles Mulligan. <laughs> That'd we, be a good one. We would go to the wedding. <laughs> cool. Hey, listen, everybody, uh, we got more to talk about. Uh, coming up after the break, and uh, glad you're listening to us on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore, and we're glad you're listening to us tonight on 88.1 Catholic Radio. Hey, uh, Bishop Heelan, boys and girls, got their first victories, Brad. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you found out in the games.
1: Yeah, so they're both one and two, and the boys got a nice victory, nice uh, confidence boosting victory over North, fifty to thirty nine, after yeah. losing to Trainer and East. But they were really competitive against East, fifty one mm-hmm. to sixty two loss. So they're one and two, getting very balanced, good sco- scoring from uh, Jared Sitzman, uh, Nick Miller, Kevin Candia, Cade Block, Cole Ho, Jackson Thompson, and now. Uh, sophomore guard Levi Meese contributing, oh, wow, so that's big. yeah, they're really uh, they're spreading it out and and uh, getting really balanced scoring from a lot of different players. I've, heard some, I've heard
0: some real positives about their their younger kids, and I've heard some good things about Levi as a point guard. And that it's, you know, it's you got to get him out there and get him going because yeah, I think he's a special talent.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they have uh, Lamar's at home, and then at West before the Christmas break, Lamar's is on two. So. You know, maybe they could sneak out a couple wins and go into the break at three and two
0: with a lot of momentum. So what is the what's the general uh theme of each one of these games, Brad, if you look at it? if you look at trainer, you look at East and you look at the North game, the games have been in that fifty ish right. plus or minus range. That's the that's the zone where I think Healan can win.
1: Yeah, I think Helens minus a big go to score. So Healden's going to be in the 40s and 50s. So They're, if they, they want got, to win games, they got to keep the opponent in the 40s and
0: 50s. One hundred percent agreed. I think if they can do that, they'll they'll grind out some wins for sure.
1: Yeah, Healden girls one and two uh, last rankings. Uh, there's a new ranking coming out, but they were still number one. Uh, Lewis Central is doing well. Their only loss is to Red Oak, Red Oak who's a four zero. Oh. Um, so Lewis Central looks to be like the real deal. East is three and zero. Oh. Uh, then our girls uh, roughed up North, seventy-one to thirty. Same thing with them. They have Lamar's at home, and then Sioux City West. Then they'll have Council Bluffs Jefferson. So it looks like three doable wins. They could go into the break at four and two, mm-hmm. get a lot of practice, and then they come right back out with South Sioux City
0: after the break. Yeah, well, I love this schedule. I mean, hey, you know, guys should start off two overtime games. They're, they're playing. They're playing tough. High-level competitive games out of the gate, and Coach Cool talked about it. And like you said, most of the state championship teams that that come from Heelan, we play competitive, competitive schedules, and it sets it up.
1: When you go down to state, so Heelan will compete up here against the East of the world and the Council Bluffs teams and the Sioux City teams. You know, and even if those teams are not that great, they're still big schools mm-hmm. and with a lot of good athletes. So. The, the teams from the other side of the state are playing down a class. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at their competition versus our competition, it's a, it's a big difference. And that's why when we get there, we usually do pretty well. well.
0: Yeah, Healin's now 3A this year in basketball for girls. So, they're playing 5A and 4A. And listen, Lamar's is solid. Sar- Sergeant Bluff is solid. West is solid. These programs, well, and TJ Jefferson, which used to be a you pencil in the wind, no, they've gotten better. And then AL is always, you know, a, a sneaky, decent. So you don't get really that night off as much as you used to anymore in the, in the Missouri River, especially yeah. the girls side. Yeah. So good stuff. Well, uh, one, one thing, uh, Brad, that you and I talked about uh, before the show, and and it's really a great point that you made. We're, we're living in a pretty interesting political uh, world right now. and I know this is a sports show, but I think sports oftentimes transcend a lot of the, the issues that happen. Uh, out in the world, and and like we talked about, the way that that teams come together is a way that maybe we should, you know, as as people should come together more because they they forget all their differences for one mission. And you brought up this point, you know, college coaches are competitive. I mean, competitive like you can't believe, but they're civil. Yes, they're civil. That doesn't mean that they don't occasionally do a few wrongdoings and that kind of thing. But for the most part, they're civil and you made the point why can't we do that in politics
1: yeah there's a code of conduct amongst ncaa and really amongst coaches in general but especially in ncaa major sports and they they compete like heck and then they they hug before the game they mm-hmm. shake hands after the game they're always very complimentary and respected uh, respected towards or for each other mm-hmm. and you know politics. I watched it all afternoon. I watched. I watched some of the impeachment, and now I watched some of the uh, inspector general's report came out and the hostility and the unprofessionalism and the the tweets back and forth and what they say about each other. That would never fly in sports. So why can politics not be like
0: sports? Well, first of all, the, the politicians have lost their focus. Aren't they there to start to get things done? like infrastructures and programs like that, that both sides of the of the fence can agree on. I mean, so the college coaches, you better be, fr- I better be friends with you, Brad, because I lo- might lose my job next week and I might need to be one of your assistants. Yeah. Or we might be working together on a project. And I think that's the old political way that, hey, we need to be friends. You're Republican, I'm Democrat, but for the common good of a project, I need you to convince maybe some of your colleagues yeah. and vice versa. That's not happening right now.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really disheartening, and you and I probably could do another half-hour show. I don't know if they would let that show on Catholic Radio, but (laughs) we could do a half-hour show on politics. And, uh, you know, it's all about re-election now. You you know, the the four years, every four years, it's condensed. They start, uh, you know, campaigning earlier. So... It, there's there's obstruction and fighting all all over who's going to stay in power and who's going to get reelected and guess who the losers are the American people Absolutely. you know we get put on the back burner and and nobody's doing anything to help the American people it's all about reelection
0: right right you know and I think the the fun the thing about social media I, I social media doesn't help uh, you, you look at the college thing where social media people can get on there and they can be a big person, right? All kinds of negative stuff about an athlete or a coach and, and they get a voice or opinion, but put a mic in front of them with the camera. I wonder if they would still be the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's part of the world. Now we're living in, we can tweet back and forth and we can do all this crazy stuff. And I, I really don't do any social media. I mean, we have marketing from our business that we have somebody else that does all that stuff. And uh, I just, I just don't follow it. I mean, I love the internet. Yeah, and I love to watch sites. I love I it. They don't participate. Instant, I like to watch.
1: instant information is is great, yeah. and and the amount of people that you can uh, communicate with, that's all great. But they're saying, you know, Twitter is ruining the country. Yeah, uh, because of you can it's so easy to bully and and sit there behind your device and say things that are not nice. So. Yeah. You know, I pulled off of uh, all I try and be positive here around work and in general, and it's hard to do if you're on on social media. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I I totally I totally agree with that stuff. And we've kind of done this, I've done the same thing over that. And and that's
1: why, you know, in sports, everybody there, there, there are rules uh, against social media posts, and that's why you see most athletes, most coaches just stay away from
0: it. So Kirk Ferentz, if you're at Iowa, you can't tweet.
1: Yeah, that's a good
0: rule. It's a good rule. And there was uh coaches that uh high school coaches i won't name any names but i really love this this rule was when my daughter was playing some sports that it, there was they, they had to turn their phones in yeah we're going to focus on communicating with each other work on your homework get ready for the game and then get off the bus afterward it. you have your phone back yeah
1: so I, I got one of my first ever uh feedbacks on the show uh from last week i had a buddy call me and he heard me uh, when I said I thought that Ferentz is one of the best coaches in the country right now, and so my Nebraska friend called me and said, "Are you crazy? You can't say that." But <laughs> you know, it's the truth. I, I think he's a good coach.
0: Well, that's cool. I mean, I, we like Ferentz. Hey, I told you before, we what, we have no reason to complain as Iowa fans. You know, we're sitting there with not too bad a program with 11 most wins in college football in the last five years, and and if we get a 10-win season this year, what are you, you going to say? That's a good yeah. win That's a good year. Yeah, it's a really
1: good year, and the Big Ten's been very good.
0: Oh, yeah. it's uh, It's been fun. We've had a great time talking about, you know, we should maybe just do Big Ten football next time, Brad. Well, sure.
1: when you signed me
0: up, I thought that's what we were doing. You know, no, you signed me up. I was telling somebody the story today. How did you do this? Well, I said, I got a call from Andy Foster. He said, hey – birdie brad moore wants to do a radio talk show with you have time i said well oh, geez i don't have time but if brad wants to do it, i i
1: and i, he, I think he did the same thing to you yeah i think that's the way i think foster manipulated us both into this
0: <laughs> well it's very fun to get together with you once a week and i'm not complaining at all about that it's just that we need a producer uh that would make our show a little more attractive to the listeners I think. yeah
1: my wife too. volunteered to come in tonight and she said do you need me to come in and drop some knowledge and that would have been entertaining. We could have just shut the shut the door and let her talk for thirty minutes. Yeah, which she would talk thirty minutes.
0: Well, listen, everybody. Great, uh, great that you're with us, and uh, we, we look forward to you uh, tuning in to us next week on Two Guys and a Conversation.